Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends. Welcome to Multicultural TV Talk, a Media Village podcast where we bring you exclusive interviews with talent and creatives from across entertainment, discovering their stories and how they're changing the face of stardom across media. As always, I am your host, Juan Ayala. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get to talking. So today's guest is an actor that you know and love from The Magicians, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, a Critics' Choice nominated performance as Guillermo de la Cruz in FX is What We Do in the Shadows, and here to talk with us about their newest project, Prime Video's action series, Reacher. Please welcome to the show, Harvey Guillen. Harvey, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So firstly, congrats on your Critics' Choice nomination. I'm on the committee, so it's so awesome to see you uh, recognized for your role <laughs> and uh, for the show. It is you know, by far one of my favorite comedies uh, in, in many recent years. Um, so congrats oh, thank you. on that whole thing. Well, thank you for the support. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was recently catching up on one of my favorite podcasts with Trixie Mattel and Katya, and you're recently on it. <laughs> and um, I remember you talked about how your character initially was written much older um, right. than your current age. So what was that whole audition experience like, given that it wasn't, or maybe you weren't uh, the first choice. <laughs> right. Uh, well, you know, I, th I think I made a career out of going out for roles that weren't traditionally written for me or uh, not in the description box of what I am. But because I am uh, very persistent and I, I do uh, like to break the mold and like like to push the limits, I always follow my instinct. And, um, and in this case, I went to a wine and cheese night that my friend Mimi was having here in L.A., and she told me, come, it's just gonna be my family. You know, my family I was like, yeah, I know your family. So I went over and I was her family that I knew and this one stranger who I didn't know. And I was like, who's that person? It's like, oh, that's my best friend from school. And it was, uh, her name was Yvonne. And I was like, okay. So, you know, I openly with empathy and open heart. And I was like, okay, new people say hello. And the next day I got a text from an unknown number and it was Yvonne. And she said, I hope you don't mind, but I got your number from Mimi. Think you're so effing funny. I think you should audition for my fiance's new show. And I was like, what i was like that's really uh i don't do those films madame um and she was like no i'm serious it's a, but you have to hurry because they've cast everyone except for this role and i was like okay i'll bite and they oh my poster just fell down my shadow poster just fell oh, down man. it's actually fine because it, it wasn't even on right it was hanging on this chair so <laughs> Um, we'll let it go. But um, basically I went to the audition and it was just, uh, I, I, I knew it was, I wasn't right for the role because I read the script and it was like, Guillermo was 20 years older than I am. And mm -hmm. I was like, shoot. And I was like, he's been familiar for a long time, like for decades and decades and decades. And I was like, that wouldn't make sense. You know, like, when did I start when I was in preschool, you know, <laughs> so it wouldn't <laughs> make sense. And so I was like, well, I'll just make myself look older, you know, because that's what will stand out. So um, back then I, I had it, I mean, this took forever to grow for a role, <laughs> but it took me, it takes me a while to grow facial hair. And I remember I was like, and I was freshly shaved. I had just shaved that like morning before. And I was like, ah, I was like, I look so young right now. Uh, and so then I was like, I'll make myself look older. So I got this really nasty orange long sleeve shirt, a sweater vest. I parted my hair in the middle and I curled it to the sides. And then I got these glasses, Harry Potter glasses from a costume. I popped the lenses out and I never dressed for a character, but I was like, well, I want to just dress to like stand out for this character. And I wanted to meet Allison Jones, who, if you know, Allison Jones casting, she's done everything from like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, The Office, Golden mm -hmm. Girls, Bridesmaids, like everything you've ever loved in comedy. She has her hand in it. Yeah. And she only invites you into her office. Like you just can't like, you know, show up. So I was like, oh my God, it's my final like ticket to the ball. And I was so excited. And I was like, I'm going to go. And like, I got there and she wasn't there. 
it was their casting associate. And I was like, oh. no. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? I'm still going to give it my 150%. Even though I'm not the right age for this character, I have to imagine what this character would be like at my age. So mm -hmm. I said, I'm just going to do it the way I think that he would be at that at this age. And I did it. And I remember doing it and falling to Guillermo so well that when I was done, he looked up at me, Ben, the casting associate, he was like, you're done. And I was like, oh, thank you. Because I was so blanked out. I was like, what did I just do? And then I walked out of the room. He's like, Harvey, wait. And I thought he was going to say, you're going to Hollywood. And no, he was like, the microphone. And he took out the microphone that I was on my lapel. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. And then I went outside and my agent called me. He's like, how did you do? I was like, I don't know. I think it's okay. And then he's like, we'll see. And two hours later, they called back that it was unanimous for the first time. FX, uh, Taika, Jermaine, Paul, uh, even Allison, who was uh, out of town, had seen the tape and they had voted unanimously to test me with Kayvon. And they had already cast everyone else. Um, cut to, they, uh, it was Martin Luther King weekend. And I knew that they were starting filming that week and I hadn't heard anything about the test. So I was like, now I'm the wild card. They told me I'm the wild card, the young one. And so I wasn't going to be like the four, you know, the up runner or whatever. Um, and so basically I was like, I didn't get it. And then on Sunday, a phone kept calling me from a 16 digit number. And I was like, I'm ignoring it. And I was like, I didn't get the role. And eventually my sister's like, will you pick up the effing phone? And I picked it up and I was like, Hey, is this Javi? And I was like, yeah, Hey, it's Tyke and Jermaine. And I was like, Oh yes, I'm testing. So no, you're not testing, mate. And I was like, oh, thank you for letting me know. <laughs> you know, they're letting me know. And they're like, no, you're the mate. We'll see you on set. And I was like, oh my God. and I was like, my sister, who's a big Thor fan, was next to me. She's like, oh my gosh, she's like oh. screaming. And then uh, I was. That was Sunday. Monday was Martin Luther King. It was a holiday. Tuesday I had a fitting, and Wednesday I was on set. Wow, quick turnaround. That's in, that's so unheard of. I mean, so much. Like you said, the the unanimous. Usually it's not. You know, I feel like sometimes they have to fight for those. Um, well, yeah, they had already, they had seen tons of people for Guillermo and they had 40, 60, you know, 70, 30, like no one was unanimous on anyone to test, but they were going to test some people. Some people were on hold to test. Um, weirdly enough, the when I first met uh, Natasha on the set, the first thing out of her mouth was like, you know, my brother Jamie was up for your pot. And I was like, your what? brother was up for Guillermo? <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like, uh, Jamie, who's, you know, a comedian from the UK was up for Guillermo. <laughs> I was like, that's so weird. And I was like, you know what? But everything happens for a reason. It really does. It's really kismet. And your character has grown so much since we first saw them in the pilot. But regardless, they remain the voice of reason for all of these like out of touch <laughs> vampires who like would not survive in the real world by themselves. Um, is there anything that you haven't seen happen with Guillermo yet that you hope to explore in the future? Um, I, I would love to explore more of his backstory of where the Van Helsing comes from. You know, that's something that I really want to uh, dive in more. Uh, and we kind of like, you know, um, we kind of meet his mom in, in, in the last seasons. Uh, and so would love to see more of that. Um, and I love to see, you know, that we peel away these layers to him that we don't we don't necessarily put him in a box. I love you know talking to Paul Sims, who's our showrunner, who um, I had him on the after show that I did for Shadows. And. We were asking him questions and he said, you know, what I love about Guillermo is that we throw him curveballs. Like we throw you, Harvey, the actor curveballs. We like didn't tell you that he was a Van Helsing the first year. I didn't have no idea. I gave Guillermo his last name. He didn't have a last name. I went to Jermaine and I was like, hey, do you think I could give him a last name? And he said, what are you thinking? And I was like, I don't know, something like Guillermo de la Cruz. And he's all like, what does that mean? I was like, of the cross. And he's all, yeah, that's perfect. And I was just like, oh, okay. Not knowing anything about the Van Helsing lineage, not knowing anything. And so the, the, the idea that everything happens for a reason, you know, like the idea that I recommended that and it was like, yeah, we're doing that. 
uh, was kind of mind blowing, but um, I would love to explore more, uh, you know, a backstory of like how he got where he's at little backstory. And it's hard to do with a documentary style show because you can't really have flashbacks, you know, because it's not like when you just go back to remember that time in third grade and it goes, you know, unless you have a picture or something or a footage, actual tangible footage that you can have the documentary crew, you know, set up and roll. Otherwise a show doesn't run that way. It doesn't run on flashbacks, you know, so it runs on pictures and tangible like evidence. Uh, and so I would love to see that more of that. That'd be great. And I love the layers that we've seen him, you know, cause like, like Paul said, they throw me like, we want to see if you could cry. You did it. We wanted to see if you can do stunts. You did it. You know? So mm -hmm. they throw me with these curveballs and I was like, don't try me. I will, I will right. sip up the challenge. <laughs> So speaking, I mean, of doing like stunts, you're now part of this new action series, Reacher. You know, you've done so many comedies in the past and now you're in this show that's very much like a drama and action driven based on these classic novels. So what's that whole experience been like sort of transitioning from comedy to an action drama? Well, you know what? It's like uh, I play Jasper um, and I give, him, I give him his last name, Jasper de los Muertos, because he's a <laughs> medical examiner. Uh, and so I, I like to believe that I connected some kind of lineage to Guillermo de la Cruz and Jasper de los Muertos. Uh, it was just uh, the idea that uh, we needed a comic relief for the show when, uh, you know, uh, the showrunner called me and said, uh, I want you to be in the show. I was finishing season three of Shadows and I I was living in Toronto, which was in lockdown, you know, during the pandemic. And I wanted to come home and see my family. And like, you have to do it. You're already there. We shoot in Toronto. And I was like, I know, but it's like three months, another three months here. And then I, if I do that, I'll go straight from that. I only have one month home and I'll come straight back to season four of Shadows. Mm -hmm. So I, I spent 10 months of last year in Toronto wow. filming. Yeah. So it was kind of um, a thing. It was a long thing. And so I was like, I wasn't going to do it at first. And he really sold me on it. He said, you know, this is a great character. He's a medical examiner. He's Latinx. He has an accent. You rarely see Latinx characters from the South with the Southern accent, you know? So it was just like, oh, I've never seen that. And I would love to do that. Um, and he's like a different version, uh, you know, than Guillermo. Uh, so it was nice to put the comic relief in a, in, a, in a drama, basically. So we need that lightness, you know? It's, it's, yeah. Things get so dark in the, in the series, but it's so action-packed. It's like amazing. I got FOMO watching the stunts because I was like, I do stunts in my show, but these stunts, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, these look like... <laughs> Yeah, so I had a little bit of FOMO of that, and it wouldn't make sense for my character, Jasper, who's a, who's a total scaredy cat <laughs> when it comes to that. <laughs> uh, but it was nice to play, you know, and all that jargon of, like, medical examiner jargon. It's just, like, a mouthful. So it was nice to, like, uh, add a little bit of uh, lightness to a really dark, uh, you know, storyline. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you guys have a, a pretty incredible cast. You have, um, I know Kristen Crook, who I'm a huge Smallville fan, so she appears in the show. Is there anyone that you've gotten to work with on the show um, that you're looking forward to audience seeing? I mean, you know, everyone was so great. Most of my scenes were with Willa and Willa. So, you know, lovely and wonderful. Um, if you're fans of like the the Scream franchise, she was in the Scream uh, series. Um, and uh, she's great. She's great and phenomenal. And... Alan and everyone and I just think everyone who was cast in the show is perfectly cast for the role like it's just like perfect down you know from Reacher all the way down to like you know the background you know uh, it's just really great I think uh, everyone's going to be really excited and pleased for what they see because it's kind of loyal to what Lee wrote in the books and if anything it just elevates it even more that world has been created I mean they built a whole city uh, you know, just for in Toronto, just to look like Georgia, <laughs> small town in Georgia. Uh, and, you know, with the name of our show being Multicultural TV Talk, I always like to ask our guests 
uh, if they couldn't recall the first time that they saw a performance and they felt represented? I didn't see myself, uh, you know, represented. Uh, not in American uh, mainstream television <clears throat> by any means. And, you know, my home was full with like El Chavo del Ocho, you know, Cantinflas, mm -hmm. uh, Maria Felix. So it was living through a different uh, kaleidoscope, you know, where it was like a, it was a far-fetched land that uh, wasn't tangible and wasn't reached because I didn't see it. And every day when I turn on the TV, it wasn't on mainstream. You know, when I turn on, uh, you know, any network that was on television, I didn't see myself represented. And if I did, it was very limited. And it was like the housekeeper or the mechanic with, with broken English or, you know, so it was like, that's not the world we, you know, and, but it was in that world. It was the TV world or film world. And I think we've gotten better at it, obviously slowly, but surely. And, um, but, you know, for so long, I was trying to fit a mold. I didn't see anyone who was trying, who was doing what I was doing or wanted to do because I was young and I was impressionable, you know? So I was just like, I, I saw like John Candy, John Belushi, uh, Louis, you know, uh, uh, Louis who just passed away, you know, but it was like all these white, like plus size comedians. And it wasn't any Latinx, you know, comedians who I could kind of mirror. And the ones that I could were like the punchline, like, you know, in the Chavo del Ocho, you know, so just like El Nono or something. And I was like, well, I don't want to be like the punchline, you know, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to be, you know, the one saying the joke, you know? Uh, and I was like entertaining. And so I remember uh, it was a point where I was just like, where do I fit in? And then eventually I was like, I don't see myself represented. So if you don't see yourself represented, then become the first one. Yeah. Yeah. The change you want to see in the world. That's yeah. So I really kind of, I love what I do and I love uh, making people laugh, but I definitely use my platform, my work to open. And if that means one, one kid, you know, who's at home, Latinx, who's short and stout is looking at the TV and it's like, whoa, he's on TV. And it's like, then you can do it too, buddy. You know, it's just right. like, that's, that's enough. You know, that's the accolade um, that I get, you know, from doing all this, that's the reward. And looking back, if you had told your 13 year old self that you'd made it this far, do you think that they'd believe you? I think I would. I think I would because I always had uh, this like tenacity in me that like um, I came from very humble beginnings. Um, you know, I, I didn't come from money. So when I wanted to take my first improv class and I asked my mom for the $12.50, she said, we don't have that money. You know, tenemos dinero. that's for like laundry. That's for, you know, food. That's but I was kind of heartbroken. But she said, no, I didn't see you can't do it. I said that I can't, you know, give you the money. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, Mijo, but if you find your own way, you can do whatever you want. So I collected cans out of trash cans to pay for my first improv class. That's so sweet. Um, I come from an immigrant family, so I've heard so much of like my dad, you know, selling newspapers in El Salvador in, in the city to for the same thing to try and like, you know, get things that he wanted as a kid. And yeah, yeah that's... I mean, it's we come from a really resilient group of people, you know, mm -hmm. and and very humble and very hardworking, you know, the idea that somewhere along the line, people uh, categorizes into like a cartoon of a, of a mouse that takes siestas is kind of so crazy and offensive when it's like, who, who are you calling lazy? You know, it's like this whole country runs on the backs of immigrants, you know, and, uh, and especially also Latinx immigrants who, who literally this whole country runs on their back, you know? And so the idea of that, of breaking that stereotype that has been uh, uh, input into everyone's minds from, you know, for mid-century Americana, you know, of uh, caricatures and whatnot. And, and now slowly people are like, wait a minute, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> it's like yeah. that realization is like, yeah, it shouldn't have taken 75 years from a cartoon to you realize that that's a stereotype. 
uh, but it's uh, it's good that we're making a change, and it's good that our parents had have, um, have taught us that hard work, you know, that ethic. Um, because I wouldn't have it any other way, you know, because I had friends who were given everything, you know, like I had a friend in school who was given twenty dollars to take the improv class, and it was so easy to ask and get, you know, to get an allowance. My parents were like, an allowance? You, you have a roof over your head and food on the table. <laughs> it's like that's your allowance. Um, and I'm and I'm really grateful for that. And so people were like, oh, what a you know, must have had a hard child. I was like, no, there was ups and downs, and I was like, but we were poor, but you know, I was happy. You know, and the work ethic that they taught me was has now played out into my career because I see those friends who did get those twenty dollars handed to them, and they have no uh, profession, <laughs> yeah. and they have no destiny and goal, and some of them still live at home with their parents. You know, and it's like so in a way they did you dis- you know disservice because now you don't know the real world. You know, it's like it takes work to like make something happen. And, and if you're lucky enough to have, you know, the luxury of, uh, you know, generational wealth and all power to you, but now it's time to, you know, help others who haven't had that luxury, you know, to build that foundation and hopefully give onto their offsprings what you've easily gotten for the last couple of centuries, you know? Yeah. And if you could um, give any advice to that young 13 year old you, what would you tell them? I would say, don't try so hard to fit a mold that isn't built for you. You know, I tried so hard for many years, you know, even people who I work with, they were close to me. Like my first uh, agent was Latinx and he basically was kind of brutal. And because he was a product of his time and he had worked in the industry in the time of like, well, let me be honest with you. You're only gonna play this and that and that, and that's it. But that's okay. Cause you'll be the best at, you know uh, the best gangbanger or the best, uh, you know, housekeeper. And it was like, that's what you see me at. Like even people who sometimes are even part of our own community, you know, um, can't help to break their own sense of like what has been uh, put into their minds because of society. And so I tried so long to like, cause I thought I was listening to someone who knew best, you know, they're like, well, this person knows they, they had a two lines, you know, uh, guest star 10 years ago on a show, they got cut you know? and you <laughs> give someone so much credit for them because they've actually been through the doors. Stop giving so much people credit, you know, Sometimes it's okay to follow your instinct and gut. And even if it's a person who's supposed to be in a a position of power or be a leader or something, it's okay to question them. And it's okay to question it and and follow your gut. You'll never regret following your instinct, never. The only times I've ever regretted is when I say to myself, I should have listened to myself. I I, I knew that was the answer or I knew I should have done that and I didn't do it. And it's only because I told myself and I convinced myself otherwise because someone else his opinion was feeding into my own opinion, going against what I naturally felt was natural. So I let go of that. And once I let go of that, the doors and opportunities started opening because you have no one to answer to but yourself. And at the end of the day, you can go home and say, everything that happened today, I can answer to myself, my actions, you know? So like I did the best I could and I got the part, did the best I could and I got really close. But if you ever go home, like, I should have, well, I knew I shouldn't have done then you've already started on the wrong foot. You're already questioning yourself. So you were never being your authentic self to begin with in the room. So there's always going to be someone who you're going to be their dessert or cup of tea. So don't get stuck on the one table trying to sell them what their product is. Either they want it or they don't. Move on to the next table. So again, thank you so much for being here. Um, If anyone wants to give you a follow on Instagram, where can they find you? Just follow me on my full name, Harvey Guillen, on Instagram and on Twitter. Awesome. And you can all follow us at Media Village on Instagram. Head on over to MediaVillage.com for all of our reviews, interviews, podcasts, and more. And don't miss Harvey Guillen in 
what we do in the shadows seasons one through three streaming now on hulu and uh, all of season one of reacher will be available to stream on prime video february 4th i'm juaniala and you're listening to multicultural tv talk <music>